Samuel chapter 30. David has returned from the meeting with the Philistine army. Achish has invited him to join the army to fight against Saul and against Israel. David gave an enigmatic response. He was walking together with Achish. And then, fortunately, the other Philistine leaders say to Achish, we don't want him, we don't trust him. So David is freed from the army, and that would be a very difficult situation. He can't really fight against Israel. But what choice does he have? In any event, he goes back home to Tziklag, and when he comes back to Tziklag in chapter 30, in that chapter, comes back to the city, Vamaleki, Pashtu El Negev V'yot Tziklag. When David comes back to Tziklag with his men, he finds the city of Tziklag burnt. And not only that, And the people in the city, that is to say the women and children, the soldiers had all gone, summoned, invited by the Philistines. So they left everybody else behind, probably thinking it was safe. When David comes back to the city with his men, the city is burnt, the women, the children are all gone. And the response of the people in verse number 4, David Everybody is crying. David, his men. David's two wives were also captured. Achinom a Yisraelit v'avigayo eshet navala karmeli. Achinom and Avigayo, both were taken by the marauders. Vatetzar with David Maod, and David was vatetzar. In I would say greatly vexed. Translation of JPS is in great danger. He is also in great danger. Ki amrua amus saklo. The people thought to stone to kill David. David had not carried out his mission. David had endangered them. David had caused the loss of their family. And here they are, living amongst the Philistines. They can't go back home. The Philistines don't trust them. Because the people were very bitter about their children. Remember that the people that came to David, the 400 anyway, were Murray Nefesh, embittered people. So they're embittered to begin with. So David now is, seems to have lost everything. Nobody trusts him. He has no place to live. And his own soldiers, his own men, are out to kill him. But David sought strength in God. To David's great, great credit, he doesn't give up in this, in this, what it looks like a hopeless situation. He turns to God. He turns to his priest, who has the ephod, the vestment through which one inquires of God often. And David says, Shall I chase after the marauders, the raiders? God gives a very positive response. God uses double language emphatic language, certainly chase after them, certainly you will be successful, 
Surely you will save your people. So David sets out to save his people. And without getting into all the details of the chapter, we'll focus on one or two points of chapter 30. The first point is that David, we remember, has 600 men with him. David sets out in verse number 9 with 600 men. And they come to the Besor Wadi. Now the word Besor, Besorah, is a tidings. They come to the, I would say, the Wadi of tidings. Hanotarim Amadu. Those that remained stopped. Vayudov David ish. So David moves forward with 400 men. He started with 600. But 200 of them Matayim ish, Asher pigru me'avor et nachal habasar. Asher pigru, they were unwilling, actually, faint or weak, held themselves back. They didn't cross with David. Now, why they don't cross with David, why they wait at the wadi of tidings, to wait for tidings, presumably suggests that the 400 men, and those were David's original 400, David's supporters, they were with David when David was simply running away. The 200 men joined David after his victory in chapter 23. So they are more joining David the success. And certainly David in this story is far from a success. So David chases after these marauders, not knowing who they are. And fortunately, he finds someone who had been abandoned by the marauders. And this someone gives them information which allows them to, David and his men, to discover where the captives have been taken. David attacks, and David succeeds in recovering all of the women and the children and the possessions and the food, and David and his men have a great victory. In verse 18, David recovers all that Amalek had taken. Not just David's own wives, but all the wives and the women, the children, everything. In verse number 19. And now, David and his men are returning with the spoils, that is to say, their people and the property, David returns to the Nachal HaBasar in verse number 21. And of course they greet him. He brings them good tidings. But in verse 22, But the men that went with David, some of them who were not good people, they said, Listen, they didn't fight with us. Why should we give them part of the spoils? Give them their wives and their children and goodbye. David says, no, my brethren, don't do this. David said, no, 
Do not act in this fashion. David says several things. First of all, don't do that. In view of what God has granted us, guarding us and delivering into our hands the band that attacked us. How could anyone agree with you in this matter? The share of those who remain with the baggage shall be the same as the share of those who go down to battle. They share alike. And from that day on, it was made a fixed rule, Chokum Mishpat, for Israel, continuing to the present day. So what is David saying over here? Several things. First of all, David says, the victory is not our victory. The victory is God's victory. God enabled us to be victorious. God helped us. David inquired of God. We were very fortunate to discover where these people are. So we can't take the credit. We have to give God the credit. And since God brought the victory, it's not our spoils as opposed to their spoils. That's David's first point. David attributes the victory to God. The second thing that David does is that David reinterprets, perhaps, why the 200 stayed where they stayed. When you first read it, it sounds like they stayed where they stayed because they're not interested in risking. They don't fully support David to begin with. They supported David, the victorious general, not David, the unsuccessful one. But David chooses to interpret differently. David says those that stay with the baggage, those that stay behind in the camp, and the combat soldiers share equally, so David chooses to interpret this staying behind, not because they were unwilling to fight, but rather because, tactically speaking, you have to secure your camp. Now, whether that actually was true or not is a very good question. But David, as a clever political leader, chooses to see it that way. And not only that, the next verse, verse 25, said, and from that day on, it was made as a chokin mishpat, it became law, unto this very day. So what David is doing is, first of all, David is a victorious general. It's one of the jobs of the king. But the other role of the king, we remember, was to do justice. The king should be, do justice, should administer justice. Over here, what David is doing is making law. So as we had mentioned earlier, what David seizes the opportunity, not just to save his people, but to act as king. And at the end of the chapter, he takes all the spoils that he recaptured, all the spoils that have been taken by the Amalekites, and he distributes them to various cities throughout Israel that had lost their spoils. And interesting is that the last verse of chapter 30, the last city mentioned explicitly, so David restores the spoils. He gives back what people had lost. And the last city mentioned in the list of cities in chapter 30 is Hebron. Of course, Hebron becomes the place where David is first crowned as king publicly. So there's a political dimension to what David does. And what David has managed to do is to convert a terrible disaster into a stunning victory. And not only that, on top of it, he makes laws as a king, Chok Umishpat.